Hello, and welcome to another episode of Leader Generation, brought to you by Mata. Our guest today is a creative partner who is deep in the exploration of Web3 and the metaverse. We're really excited to welcome Lemore Schur. Lemore, thanks for being on our show. Thanks, Tessa. It's great to be here. So let's start with a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay, sure. The part we all hate the most, right? So I know ModUp because I, in some ways, started ModUp. I founded Eyeball, a small motion graphics company, in my senior year at Pratt in Brooklyn. I grew up in Cincinnati to a very creative household full of composers, artists, choreographers. So I was always in the mix. And Pratt, I fell in love with computer animation and started Eyeball, which moved from motion graphics to television shows, to branding networks, ultimately to launching products as we grew like Kindle for Amazon and lots of Best Buy and Nike work. And we merged with a digital agency, Modus Operandi, and became ModUp. I exited ModUp last year. And for about three, four years prior to that, I had started consulting outside of it as a creative partner, where I would fulfill a brand's need, usually founder-led businesses, to have a partner who was the creative, who like understood future state, strategy, marketing, website, whatever it was that needed better messaging, better approach, et cetera. So I expanded out into that world since then and continue to be creative partner for a variety of really interesting companies. Yes. And that is why we asked you to be a guest today, because one of the companies you're consulting for is playing in this space of the metaverse. So tell us a little bit about what are the latest trends and developments happening in the metaverse because i feel like for our listeners and for me too a lot of it has felt like buzz or it's felt like we're trying second life again and i didn't know if i even like second life the first time around so what's going on today well i think the metaverse in the proper way that it's being spoken about is really along the lines of where the crypto world web3 decentralized everything has been moving towards and people see it sort of like the way we talked about web two. I even go back, or I even go back to, I think about motion graphics. How like people were just in these big production companies spending millions and millions of dollars on really big equipment and spending tremendous amount of dollars on getting really powerful work out there. But it took these powerful tools and then desktop happened. And all of a sudden, anybody with a computer could start creating, animating, et cetera. It's like what synthesizers did to music. Every time they're seen, they're either like this horrible things that's going to destroy it all. And then you find a few who say like, no, this is just an adaptation of whatever we've been doing all along. So the metaverse right now, to many people, does sound like buzz because they're seeing hype like meta, Facebook, really desperately trying to grab their audience and move them to this place that they know is valuable, but everyone else is going like, is this even going to happen? Right. So they're making huge bets. I mean, they're throwing billions of dollars and the tens of billions of dollars away because they're trying to sort of get to where this growth is happening. that Most people aren't seeing. And it's usually in the youth. I mean, people, parents aren't even maybe looking at their kids playing Roblox, which is in many ways a metaverse. It's not the type that we're moving towards, which are more decentralized, where they're more communal and founded around the individual. But it's happening. And that's web three. What people have to understand that inexperience that those kids are playing where they're creating value in there for toys or scooters or houses, that's real value to them. And they want to take those things somewhere. So the metaverse that's ultimately being created is the one where those kids 
who as they grow up, all those things they've been buying digitally are actually gonna be with them. Some of them might be fidgetal, which is the balance of putting physical items on the blockchain and making them trackable and increasing with value as their digital version increases. There's all this stuff going on underneath, but our kids are doing it. And that's where I think web two captured a lot of people by surprise or even digitizing your brand. People are still digitizing their brand while they should be thinking what's the dimensional version of their brand right now for web three. So yeah. a lot of hype, but there's a lot of business going on. And if you're anything into crypto as well, you understand the power of blockchain in Web3 as well. That whole combination is ultimately the place that we'll all be in or many of us will have fallen out because we missed it. Mm -hmm. So you said something really interesting that Web3 is this is decentralized place. When I think about my brand and how it evolved and what needed to happen with it as we went into the internet and making it more accessible, how does a brand become, or is there an opportunity to decentralize a brand or brand experience? I think brands become the portal into the larger experiences. And I think brands are also going to compete for this metaverse attention. I mean, let's just strip away metaverse, okay? There are two things going on. We're dimensionalizing the web. That's making VR, AR, dimensional experiences. And people experience those types of things in games like Fortnite, where they have value, friends, community, they create content from, they have these rich experiences and worlds. And even more recently, Unreal Engine just made it so that you can customize Fortnite yourself with all the same powerful tools, which is insane. So now artists are creating new dimensions and spaces. So that's the dimensionalization of the web, that's happening. And then there's the digitizing of the world. People are walking around with phones using LiDAR and capture, and they're capturing everything in their home or their apartment, or they're capturing statues and artwork and museums. And all of that is also being done simultaneously. And kids are doing it in a way where they didn't even know they couldn't do it, where we're looking at it like, why are you even doing this? But I might buy a bicycle and digitize it and have a digital version of it. And as I hand that off to somebody else, I send those things gain value over time because experiences have value now and your time has value. So my simpler way of looking at Web3 is to say that we have to look at it from the individual or the consumer's point of view. And that is that the consumer is going to become the center of their financial and social sphere. The user is going to build their own network of friends, their Facebook. They're gonna invite those friends to go on these experiences with them. They'll go shopping together and they'll do different things. And some of them will be physically in the store and others will be there digitally or augmented with them. So it sounds like future state and sci-fi, but if you're on LinkedIn and you're even tapped into this, you're seeing it every day. You're seeing that they can take a live soccer game and use machine learning to turn that player into a 3D physical model that is tracked and animatable, and then you can put yourself in the game. That's happening now. Like, People are just tapping that technology to figure it, to do it. But I think there's like at least like 20 to 100 AI companies opening like every month. As far as I can tell, there's literally a dozen new every week that have tools. So this has all been building, but like most of these shifts, you just don't have a lot of hype around it in the traditional space that we all see it. It's all in Discord. It's all in these Reddit areas. It's all in these places where they're all working together, mostly in Discord, mostly in these types of platforms that have now become huge business models and platforms that people don't even realize are happening as well.
So it's happening. You talked about everything becomes like the consumer at the center, which is interesting because a lot of brands and a lot of clients talk about, we want to become more consumer centric. So this feels like a very natural progression of any company. If you want to be customer centric, then start giving experiences that your customers want to engage in. Have you seen any companies doing this really well? And any examples of here's a brand that really stands as a good example of being a portal for a customer centric experience. I'll start with gaming and just say like Fortnite. With Unreal Engine, they have a massive platform for this. Their banking on their platform is going to be the main metaverse platform, let's say. Because Unity is competing for that. They're all building AI into this. So Luddites like yourself or I who don't know anything about 3D could be like, give me a lush forest with jungle features and pyramids or whatever, and it'll make it instantly for you. So that's an incredible thing on its own. So That's what I think as a brand who's leading the way in, they're using a game to lead you into this place where you're purchasing things, have value, et cetera, but then they'll want you to go to other metaverses or other worlds, let's say. The idea of the metaverse ultimately is all the world's interoperable, where your money, your value, your things, it all works everywhere. But we deal with this every time we build these sort of large ecosystems like the web. Took us a long time to get finance figured out so we could quickly pay for things. And so I think some of the brands that are doing it are just doing smart plays into it, like Roblox, like Nike going into Roblox or decentralized land, like these brands getting into the places where the customers are. So that's the first step of them saying, we're coming to you. But that's what marketing has always been, right? But the level of personalization, when we look at the center of the social sphere and brand sphere means that I am now on my website. Let's say my Web3 site for Limor is all the things I care about. But I also have a really clear idea of expressing what I am into for brands to understand. I'm not letting them scrape for my information poorly and come up with some idea of what I might like because I accidentally bumped on this ad or clicked on that, that they are going to serve me up. I mean, we just all get served up the stuff that's not really built for us. Some of the things they get right, and we're getting better. But with Web3 is I'm going to be so clear. My vision is, and I think a lot of other people, Nike's going to come up to me and say, when whatever coin or value or money I accept, they're going to say, I'm going to give you one buck to watch my ad because I know you want it. I don't want to pay Facebook to find you and get a premium cost. They're just going to end up finding us because those tools are going to make us readily available as consumers. So banks will be calling us and saying like, hey, we'd like to hold your money. Can we give you a little bit of incentive or whatever? So all these rewards and things that we're used to doing where they're trying to get us little hooks, little things, they make value, et cetera. Now it's just going to be coming to us and we're going to set those parameters. Like if you want my attention, that's how it will play out. It's not going to be that ideal for a while, but look into something like Cardstack. This, in my opinion, is the WordPress of Web3. Totally loose functioning tools that you can grab this, grab that from this source, that source, from this website, that you can put it on yours. You can personalize your own. You can tell who you want to be able to come on your page or not. You can create your own communities. All of these things are just building to the way that people have these real simple operability to just make themselves feel like I can just have my group of friends. I can feel good about my social circle. I can have the right stuff coming to me and the experience gets more. So Brands who are going to create dimensionalized experiences where you're going to actually just put on the headset, go to their website and start to experience it. First of all, they're going to engender really good will immediately because they're going to be the first ones, A, saying to people who have headsets or AR, we've got something for you. 
But if they can also create the experience in a 2D way that's still dimensional, which pixel streaming is one of the things that allows for these dimensionalized experiences in 2D to happen as well with no latency, is that ushering those people in will be the brand's responsibility then to say, in my opinion, here's the rest of the metaverse and allow them to introduce them into the rest of these experiences that they can be tied into. And I think Chanel is doing something interesting with one of my clients, which is Mira World, which is a 3D world. They don't claim to be a metaverse because the metaverse really doesn't exist yet because we don't have all the interoperability. But they're building a high fidelity experience for brands because they have in mind that brands don't want to be lo-fi. They don't want to be in a Roblox. Yes, Nike can go in there because they're an audience, but ultimately it really doesn't represent a Nike's experience. Nike's experience is a really high fidelity one. So is Belvedere's, so is any of the LVMH brands, but so is a company like Munchkins who makes kids products. Yeah. I'm a marketer and I just want to see, especially I really like this example, Mira and something that is positioned to help brands become that portal in a high fidelity way. What do I physically need? Like what type of equipment connection? Well, first of all, if you're a brand and you have a metaverse, you're either going to have a partner like a Mira, you're going to build a one-off. It's interesting because we're going through a period right now where brands are building one-offs. It's almost like microsites. They had their moment. And right now that's the moment for these one-off experiences because there aren't these platforms that you can put your Nike experience in, or for in the case of Mira, let's just use Mira as a good example. Mira was built in Unreal, started seven years ago, very high fidelity. I actually have some postcards you can see, like it's supposed to be photoreal. Oh yeah. They built Paris, they built London. Oh my gosh. And it's stunning. I mean, the lighting, the effect when you're in there. So what it ends up doing is when you get in there, all of a sudden it validates for a brand that Once they put on these goggles, they go like, oh, this could be at the level that I want, that I've invested hundreds of years. I mean, think about somebody's story like Chanel. And I mentioned them because they're one of the investors in Mira, because they see the high fidelity approach is what brands like theirs appreciate. But what it means to the brand, though, is that like I can deliver a similar experience or a heightened experience. But if I can bring them in through my site, which is an experience, but then there's more to it. Like they can go jetpack around the Eiffel Tower. I wouldn't mind shopping in Chanel for this or that, getting the things I like and having a great Chanel experience. Maybe I learn about their products a little more. But I think that if there's more to it, if I continue on, now I'm into a marketplace and I've used them as a portal. We think of stuff a little bit more jumping from one place to another. Now you're just connected. Now it's just more transitional, transformative, or experiential going from one place to another. And they're all going to capitalize on that. But it will also be personalized. The more we introduce AI, the more the AI understands our personal desires or settings, and the more that'll be even more customer-centric. It literally will get to the level that people will want. At some point, it will be, I go to a website and I can type in something and it will make the product for me, or it'll make the movie for me. Like that's what we're moving towards. So there are all these steps along the way. And I think as a marketer, you just have to remember as we've done this over and over, generation after generation, technology hits every time and we go through this, but nothing has changed about human nature. Nothing has really changed about the way that we purchase or the things that we want in our lives. We do have these sort of expansion, compression things, these maximalist, minimalist times that we go through, 
But I think as brands, it's always the same stuff. This all rhymes with everything we did in web two or now content is king or whatever. I think the key is, is that we have the opportunity to make the medium less important than the message again, if we can get people into these worlds. Because right now we're at the medium is the message. I feel like marketing's failing because it's in a, the phone is more important than the content. It's just a steady stream of content. And it's more that I, if you look at me and you say like, God, he's with his phone all the time. You wouldn't say he's watching this all the time because the, this is everything. So these will allow to get way more focused on and get more personal and really get more of the customers that you want rather than trying to get too many of the wrong ones. And the experiences will be really up to the brands to just continue to do what they do and recognize that for the most part, the tools are there. They just haven't been asking the right questions. Yeah. And speaking of like getting in the customers, how many people have headsets or even have the correct equipment in their house to engage with a Mira or high fidelity type experience. I mean, do you well, that, need to have an ARVR? You don't. That, that's no? the thing, because what Epic and these companies have been working on with a lot of the technology companies is pixel streaming. And what pixel streaming is, it's the ability to use a game engine to run around a game. But in this case, it's your virtual world. So let's just say Madoff's virtual experience is a gallery of their work. So here I am, I have this virtual experience in the headset, or let's say it's augmented in AR, right? And augmented with Apple's glasses that are coming out that I believe are gonna be augmented VR combo or something. There's gonna be a lot of those different things, but I can also have it as a flat to the experience with a gaming engine to move around it, to see everything, et cetera. I just won't have the three-dimensional experience, okay. but I believe that it will quickly push people to purchase their headsets and prices will come down and they won't be as a novelty item. More and more people are getting them though, because I would say that more and more I'm hearing from parents, yeah, my kid has one. I haven't used it yet. There's a large amount out there, but I think there's gonna be a watershed moment where it's just all of a sudden everyone has to get one because they realize they're missing out on these experiences. How does the cost of developing a high fidelity experience compare to developing a website? I think we're getting into early stage development money, which means it costs more money. I mean, I could think about things will cost what commercials used to cost when they were really expensive. So half a million dollars to get in, million dollars to get in. Shouldn't be a concern. That should be expected because it's about longevity. Now we're talking about creating something again that lasts a long time. I feel like we go in these periods, we create, we go into it, we create stuff that lasts a long time then stuff lasts shorter, shorter, shorter. Now it's like, if you're not making shit every day, you're behind, right? We're just at this manic stage because these are experiences. So let's just say a totally non-traditional idea, not Love, Death and Robot, the Netflix show. Okay, it's I think created by Blur and it's built in the Unreal Engine. It's a completely animated show. It's incredibly successful. It's really weird, but imagine now you watch that show, but you could put on your headset and walk around all the scenes. You could walk around like an ant looking at these giant characters and scenes and this whole thing you've just seen unfold, or you're bigger than them looking down, or you're the same size feeling like you're interacting. And as these tools are now available, there are literally 14-year-olds who can make complete movies in Unreal Engine that you would be able to walk around. You go to ArtStation or Behance and look at Unreal artists and look at the worlds they're creating. Where are all those things going to be experienced? They also will be a marketplace. So, and that's even the thing I didn't talk about here, the creators on this. This is a massive creator economy. I truly believe brands are going to be just people more so than they are these large things that we see them. 
ultimately people really get their audiences and they're going to be building influencer brands basically are going to be the next big brands, but they know their customers. So creators are also really important to this. And an example of Mira's use of creators is they believe that creators are just as important to them as the brand. So they've created a pathway for creators to come in and build these worlds for the clients, as well as put their own worlds in there. So even though Mira has the Guggenheim in there, Anesh Kapoor had a digital piece that he created that was going to be a physical place that never happened in the Guggenheim. So he gave it to Mira and they have an original Anesh Kapoor and a couple other artists piece in the Guggenheim that you can experience in a virtually real Guggenheim. So there's a creator there, but they also believe that the creators will build all the additional experiences not only for themselves, but for the brand. So a group of creators has recently made the most detailed Titanic ever in Unreal. And there's a game engine that runs it so you can play around. But when Mira reached out to them and says, where do you want to put this in the port in New York versus just have it as a URL in the middle of nowhere? Now people would walk around the Titanic and see New York. And if they want, they could go fly over to see the top of the Chrysler building. So here's an experience, a game, et cetera. Here's a store over here. Everyone be creating interoperability starts to make a lot of sense. Now my value from this game is actually worth clothes over here. So that's where the interop, that's where blockchain, that's where all of this finance. And, and if you look at the investment groups like Sequoia or A16Z or additional ones, people are really looking for and hard into Web3 and the metaverse because they recognize it. These are the prognosticators. This is the future state, but it's literally 24 months, in my opinion. It'll be a very quick shift. So in order to prepare for this very quick shift, if somebody wanted to start today, just getting their head around what's possible, what their brand should be doing, what that experience might be for them, what are the first three things you would recommend marketers do? I think one, make sure that they're going to stick with their strategy. Don't leave, don't shift, don't change. Just modify. It's recontextualization in general, that it's usually repackaging recontextualization that I usually think of. So it's how do I live in this world and how does my experience change for my customer? And what you have to think about is this is about as close to real world as having your store is as close to the real world. What's your experience like when you walk in? Is somebody going to greet you now? Somebody recently said, if I personally, as an artist, had 20 people tell me that they like my drawing, like walked in my room and said, I really like that drawing, I would feel great. But when you get 20 likes on Instagram, you don't feel it. Like it's just not the same overwhelming feeling as 20 people literally coming up to you and saying they like something. So Giving people an experience, almost transitioning them in is one way to think about it. Don't think of yourself as just in this future state, but brands really should think about this point of transition. And then uh, speaking with this other woman at some point, I hope we get on a call with is she's working on something that allows us to track the experience. Like that experience becomes the thing that is value. So maybe not a CRM, but how are you tracking this experience? That becomes really interesting. What is the value of that? What is the value of your product when people go into other experiences? Really start to stretch out your thinking from a flat experience to a human experience, a live experience. And what can you add to that? And also know that there's a ton of magic you can add to all of this because this is virtual. So everything can be heightened. Those things are important. One, don't change your strategy. Two, 
Think about how you will operate in a real world situation, how your flat experience now has to expand to be more human, more connected, and more personalized. And then what can you add on to that? How can you heighten the experience? How far is your brand willing to go to stretch? People wouldn't even stretch logos. And now you're talking about taking stores and turning them into volcanoes with snow-capped mountains and surfers and whatever it could be. Like it could be anything. It can be wild dragons and et cetera. What are the analogous ideas that are to your brand that you can create? And start just thinking that the word experience is probably the only word you should use anymore. Like not shop, not store, not site, not anything. How is the customer's experience? What are they getting out of this? And how can I make it richer and more sticky and et cetera? But also, how can I get goodwill? Because people are coming into the metaverse are expecting it to be decentralized. Mm -hmm. That means they don't want an authority. They don't want the rules. They want to know that their stuff has value, that they can move through it. And that's where we're going to see, I think, one of the partners at A16Z put out an article recently about centralized versus decentralized. And a metaverse has to be decentralized. That's one of the many components of it, is it has to be decentralized. It has to be crypto, I'll read you the list, has to be cryptographically enforced, open source, transparent, permissionless community, unbundled and user controlled, user choice, user network, grassroots and incentives, direct, diverse, and bottom up. That's a lot. But if brands yeah. are going to come to people, that's like coming to people in the real world. Yeah. Like in order to get me into a Nike store, it's a very different thing than it is for me to now shop online. But you're actually going to want me to get back in the store again, maybe online, but also maybe in person because I can shop with you, Tessa, in New York or Kansas or wherever you are today, virtually, if I'm at the Nike store and you're wearing a VR, we can walk around together because it should be a digital twin of the experience. And that's where Mira, I mean, foundationally is based on this idea of digital twins, which is the reason they got the Eiffel Tower, the Guggenheim. The reason that they're doing is because once you have the institutions in your metaverse as well, that's a totally different play. We saw all of the museums digitize their work over the pandemic and try to create virtual experiences during this death of being able to go into them. So in many ways, they prepared themselves. They've got digitized already. Like the Guggenheim should be able to just show me the Guggenheim and I have a dial that I just dial the years, 1948, 1972. And I just get to see the experience that was there at that time. So the potential of all of the digitizing of the world that's been happening and the 3Dification and the dimensionalizing of the web, they're all going to meet here. And I would say to any brand who's questioning this right now or not sure of this, is just so late to the game already. They're so late to the game already. So when we think about your number one point was commit to your strategy. Point two was think about how you would operate in the real world and really start to think and get a process to digitize what's physical and yeah. make it digital. And then what would be your last point that marketers should be thinking about today? Honestly, I think the last point is education. They just have to make it part of their funnel, that this is the main thing that they're seeing coming in. Because I think that anything else that's talking about competing on the playing field that we're on right now just doesn't make sense. And I think we're just seeing upheaval and messes everywhere in advertising and marketing and layoffs and ad strategies not working and pulling back on ad spend and streaming services. 
just everything's in a big shift. And it just says to me, like, we're about to settle on something big and it's happening. And it's interesting, like I even had it when I spoke with you guys about the importance of Web3 and such is that you need to put on 14-year-old goggles. You just need to step into like what kids are doing. I mean, I think most of the people in our industry have children. If they just look at what their kids are doing and they don't recognize that that's actually the platform that they need to be playing in and thinking about all the times and that the intuitive nature that these kids have when they put this stuff on. I have a demo system for Mira and the difference between a seven-year-old and a 45-year-old it's like the 45-year-old has never been educated and the seven-year-old came with a PhD on the thing. It's just the mm -hmm. finding thumbs and controls and just getting used to the, whoa, and I'm, you know, like that. And then kids are just like, I, I just click stuff and I go, right? And so that's what brands have to be explained, which is like, you have to just make it so that these folks can come in and just figure it out and go and not make it overly complex and not change much of what you've done throughout your own history. Just cater it to this new sort of physical realm. It's just synthesizers. Again, it's just, you're still playing music. You just went from acoustic to using like orchestras at your fingers. It just yeah. means doing it a little faster, more efficiently, et cetera. But also don't be scared because these tools are just bonkers what's happening right now. AI mixed in with these visual tools. Yeah, no, I agree. It is really exciting. And so Lamore, thanks so much for being our guest today. And we have a lot to digest. So if you want to hear this episode again or see the transcript so you can pick up some of the tools that Lamore shared, definitely visit our podcast page on LinkedIn, search for Leader Generation Podcast, or visit modop.com. And we will have all the tools there. There was Cardstack, Epic, Pixel Streaming, lots of terms that might be completely new to the audience. So as Lamore said, start educating yourself. Think about what that strategy would be digitizing your physical world so that you can get the most benefit out of what's to come next in Metaverse. And get a headset for Christmas. Now everyone has one Christmas gift down. Just get everyone on your list a headset, and then that will expedite how many people you can get into your brand experience. <laughs> that, is that is absolutely my goal, is putting as many people in these headsets. I've been having soirees on Thursdays and having people in my network come over and just put on the headset and their mind completely shifts. Uh, that is honestly the single most important thing you do. Put it on, experience the stuff, and then you'll just go like, okay, my mind works in this space now. Yeah. Go, yeah. Do what you've always done. I agree. That's a very similar to the experience. We had like a company party and just made, hmm. had everyone put it on and so much fun and very immersive. And even your not headset conversations become more rich when they you really come do. out of an experience that's been yeah. centralized to you. 100%. Nailed so the more, if people wanted to get in touch with you and talk to you more about this, how can they reach you? Easiest thing would be probably to email me at lemoresure at me.com, lemoresure at me.com. Yeah, reach out or find me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Yeah. And Lemore is spelled L-I-M-O-R-E and sure is S-H-U-R. That's right. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks again. And My we'll pleasure. be talking more about this soon in a panel discussion. So if anyone it. has questions, feel free to direct message me and we will cover that in the panel. Thank you, Tess. Yeah, thank you. A Leader Generation podcast is brought to you by ModOp 
a full-service marketing communications agency focused on using the right methods to help clients capitalize on their opportunities. ModOp services for both B2C and B2B markets include brand strategy, advertising, digital marketing, lead generation, and public relations. Through its technology group, ModOp also offers website, e-commerce, and app UX, design, development, and technology stack integration. For more information, visit modop.com. That's M-O-D-O-P.com. Never miss an episode of Leader Generation from ModOp. Find us in all your favorite podcast venues.